In the early morning of July 1991, something was on the railroad tracks on the outskirts of Williamston, North Carolina. But that something turned out to be a someone. Why was he there? I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and over the past year, my investigation for the latest season of my show, Counterclock, has plunged me into the details of a mystery so big and so bizarre that it feels like fiction, but it's not. It's reality. And the reality is that while my investigation started as a look into one man's suspicious death, what I uncovered is a web of small-town secrets, a string of other crimes, missing people, and so many other suspicious deaths. These are all things that I think many have tried to keep hidden. Do not go looking for answers. I've had to rethink everything I thought I knew about where I'm from. That somebody is somebody's plural. Listen to Counterclock Season 6 now, wherever you're listening. You have a vision for your business. Your priority might be to expand facilities or bring in the best talent. At Century Insurance, we listen, learn, and work to understand your business and your plans to help protect your new locations. As your business evolves and your vision comes true, Century. Right by you. Property and casualty coverages and underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available on all states. See policy for complete coverage details. This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. So I was actually in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina when everything happened. And that was like one of the first years where we didn't take like one big van or something because my aunt had, um, she had company vans that we used to take. The day after Skylar went missing, her friend Shania Amons was on the way back from Myrtle Beach with her grandma and cousins when she got a text from Sheila. And the text said, hey, have you heard from Skylar? And I said, no, why? Can you not get a hold of her? Because, you know, like when friends can't get a hold of friends that they're used to talking to every day, you know, you act like it's a huge deal sometimes. And she said, no, she's missing. And I said, what do you mean she's missing? Like, you just haven't talked to her. And she was like, no, she's missing. Like, I can't find her. Her parents can't find her. The cops can't find her. This is actually like she's really missing. And I was in shock. I mean, Shania had just talked to Skylar. I think technically the last time I talked to her was July 5th. I think she just kind of felt left out. And I was like, yeah, well, as soon as I get back, we'll do something. You know, I'll be back. But first it was like, okay, like I'm worried, but I have a real good feeling she's coming back. You know, like you really just in those beginning stages, you don't think the worst. But in the Star City neighborhood of Morgantown, Mary and Dave were thinking the worst. They were sure Skylar had been kidnapped or was the victim of something even more nefarious. Mary was ready to drag the Monongahela River for her daughter's body. Search along the rail trails, the old train tracks that had been converted into shaded running paths. The one thing they knew for certain, Skylar didn't run away. From Waveland, I'm Justine Harmon. And I'm Holly Malay. This is Three, Episode Two, The Day After.
everything that a girl would take, it was there. Her toothbrush, her deodorant, she had taken anything. That's Mary when I first talked to her and Dave back in 2014. Her hair straightener that she hated her curly hair, she wouldn't leave home without that. It was there. Goody was there. What was Goody? A little piece of, like a security blanket. You know, ladies have so yeah. Taking a liking to one of my nightgowns one time, and that was her goodie. She wouldn't give it up. If she had cramps or something from that time of the month or something, she'd grab goodie and go to her room. She took her cell phone, but not her charger. No teenager in the world will run away without your cell phone charger. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> I mean, that's priority, you know? And her hairbrush and all. She took nothing. And But, of course, Star City Police said Run away, run away, run away. Aunt Carol remembers just how bleak that period was. We were sitting out on her little deck, and, and you know, she was just all upset and crying. And, and the dog, you know, Lilo, she was just all sad. And Mary said, and, and you know, I had this pit in my stomach that we weren't going to find her. And then she finally she said, I have something to say, and don't get mad at me. And I'm like, what? Mary was fast losing faith thinking, feeling that Skylar was dead. Then we both start crying because I'm like, I have the same feeling, you know? And um, it was just like, Mary was just numb. I mean, she just was numb with everything. Dave was a lot stronger than Mary. He could hold up a lot better than her. All of a sudden, the phone rang. A familiar voice, Skylar's best friend. Sheila had wanted to know if we'd heard anything from her. And she had to tell me the truth. That's what it was. And that's when she was telling me that they had snuck out the night before. But they had dropped her off, I don't know, before midnight. Then she said, well, do you want us to come over? And I said, well, sure. Sheila arrived with her mom, Tara, and joined Mary going door to door with Skylar's picture asking if anyone had seen or heard anything. Dave stayed behind to wait for Star City police officers to arrive. When an officer showed up, he and Dave joined the search. Having no luck canvassing the block, Mary remembered that the apartment complex had surveillance cameras. At 7.10 p.m., in a room the size of a closet, the building's landlord, the police officer, Mary, Dave, Sheila, and Tara all watched Skylar climb from her window and get into a waiting car no one could quite make out. In the days and weeks that followed, it seemed like Sheila was always around, eager to comfort and be comforted. At one point, she came over here by herself, and she never came over here by herself after Skylar went missing. Never. One time she did. She came up to Mary and she goes, Mary, would it be okay if I went to Skylar's room and had some alone time in there? Mary said, well, sure. Looked at me, I said, sure. She was in there for about 20 minutes. And Mary heard sobbing come from the room, crying. Well, didn't we kind of wonder, we hope she's not taking anything? Because the police aren't done yet. That's why I went to check on her. She found Sheila laying on Skylar's bed crying or sobbing. And uh, 
Mary laid down next to her and rubbed her arm and comforted her. And she'd write me all my day, I'm hurting so bad, I hurt so bad. I kept telling her, stay strong, the truth will come out in the end. Hang in there, sweetie, we'll get her back. In the first days, then weeks, after Skylar disappeared, Sheila gave multiple written statements on her memories from that night. On July 8th, she filled nine lines on a small yellow legal pad with her pristine handwriting. On Thursday night, me and Rachel Schof picked Skylar up after we snuck out. We drove around Star City for 30 minutes at most. Then we had to go home, so Skylar insisted we drop her off at the end of Crawford. And we never talked after that. Sheila Eddy. On August 24th, she provided more details. I went and got Rachel from her house, and then we went and got Skylar. I was wearing shorts and a sweatshirt. We pulled next to the apartments, next to Skylar's. After Skylar snuck out of her house, we drove around the side streets of Star City for, at the most, 30 mins. She was insisting that I drop her off at the end of her street, Crawford. That was weird, so I asked her why, and she was acting really weird, so I did. Drop her off, and then after I left, I dropped Rachel off at her house. Then I went home. Skylar was wearing yellow shorts and a greenish multicolored shirt with her hair up. Rachel was wearing a sweatshirt and jean shorts. Skylar's mood was pretty good and happy until towards the end when I dropped her off. While Sheila kept close to the action, Rachel spent Friday, July 6th, the day after Skylar went missing, on a ski boat with a group that included her mother, Patricia, and close family friend, Kelly Kearns. In a photo from that outing, Kelly and Rachel are smiling. Kelly is trim and in her early 50s, wearing a coral red bathing suit and color-coordinated visor. Rachel is in a blue leopard print bikini, her unmistakable red hair in a low ponytail. There was a huge storm in the southern part of the state and everything was knocked out, and she never went to that first week of camp and ended up being in Morgantown. Rachel had been in town that day after all. A pleasant surprise for Kelly. Kelly had known the girl from birth, even holding the red-headed baby before her own mother, who was recovering from a C-section. Right after she was born, I was in the hospital and I got to hold her. And she looked like she had been in the fight for her life. Had a little black eye, pointed head where she was stuck in the birth canal. I mean, she fought for her little life, and there I was because I never had kids. That day on the boat, Patricia noticed a cut on the lower part of Rachel's right leg. There's mom bitching about this cut. It's going to get infected and blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't really you know, that bothered by it. You know, Patricia was always stressing about something. To me, it just looked like a scratch on her leg, on her calf or something. I mean, it wasn't any major, like, oh my God, you should have had stitches. Patricia's friend and next-door neighbor at the time, Kim Keener, remembers the wound a little differently, having examined it up close. Kind of in the fleshy part, almost the muscle part of the leg, but yeah, down toward the ankle. Uh, not real long, but very deep. Oh, I've got my fingers open here. Probably three inches. That might be uh, two, three inches. 
but very deep. My exact words were, my God, that's deep. And she said, yeah, I think she got it on the prop or something on the boat. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the prop is sharp when it's moving, but it's not that sharp to cut flesh like that deep. Regardless, Rachel spent the entire time on the boat that day buried in her phone. A normal teenager on the phone, just texting. Um, and we, Patricia and I don't stop talking. And throughout the day, sometimes um, I'd be like, oh, is there any news of your friend? And Patricia would say, you know, she has, she's talking to Sheila because Sheila's better friends with, with Skylar than Rachel. After docking, Kelly had a sense of unease. She asked the one question that would eventually consume Morgantown. I said to Patricia, she was helping me cover the boat. And I said, do you think they did something to her? And Patricia goes, no, they're friends. They're best friends. You see where your business can go. To get there, you may need another 10 trucks. At Century Insurance, we put more than 115 years of industry experience to work to help protect you as you launch a new delivery service or expand into a new region and reach your business goals. Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages are underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details. The Star City Police Department deletes nearly all 911 recordings after two years, but a clipped version of Dave Neese's 911 call that day lives on the internet. I have a 16-year-old daughter. She has not been home, hasn't went to work. I am scared to death. Rookie officer Jessica Colbank was on vacation when Dave's call came in, but when she returned about two days later, she picked up the case. When we meet Colbank at Star City Police Headquarters, She's wearing a bulletproof vest and light makeup. Her eyes are dark, as is her hair, which is pulled back in a tight bun. A serious person who will not suffer fools, Colbank knows the who's who and what's what around the area, where on any day, you might have to keep the peace or kick some ass. Adept at both, she is now the first female chief of police in Star City. Back in 2012, Colbank had a feeling that Skylar hadn't run away, an opinion her precinct colleagues didn't share. Dave and Mary said Sheila and Rachel will know if she ran away or if where she's at. They should know because they're her best friends. And then I went to talk to Sheila. I had to travel to her parents' house and uh, they were just hanging out in the garage with the garage open. She was sitting in a reclining chair and there was alcohol around and she was just having a good time. Nonchalant, no emotion, no fear, no sadness. She was having a good time. If it were my best friend, I would not be consolable. You know, missing for at least four days, you don't know where they're at. Sitting there laughing and joking with family is not your typical response, teenager or not. Right off the bat, I said, this is not right. That is not normal. Next, Colbank turned her attention to Rachel, who, the day after boating, had finally left for church camp. She interviewed the redhead over the phone. It was awkward because I'm, I'm a person that likes to see people's body language, their reactions, their demeanor, their behavior. It's easier to see a lie when they're standing in front of you for most people. Uh, so over the phone, it was hard to judge. She was very, not standoffish, but she didn't really want to answer questions. It was more, I don't know, talk to Sheila. 
you know, I don't know anything was her main stance. Like Sheila, Rachel was resolute. Skylar snuck out to meet them around 11 p.m. They cruised, smoked a little weed, and then dropped her off about an hour later. Sheila's story and Rachel's story were the exact same story. No one has the exact same story. So this was a rehearsed, this was a play for them. This was an act. So they had their their script written way before they'd rehearsed their lines, and that's what they did. Skylar's missing person posters were up all over town. 5'4 or 5'5, weighing approximately 135 to 145 pounds, wearing yellow shorts and a multicolored shirt, last seen getting into an unknown car at 12.31 a.m. Because Skylar willingly got into a waiting car, she didn't qualify for an Amber Alert, which in 2012 were only issued for suspected kidnap victims. I saw Skylar's picture up at the gas stations, and she was starting to get brought up. And it's just one of those things like, oh man, that sucks, you know, girl missing. That's Chris Berry, a young hotshot state trooper assigned to investigate double bank robberies in Blacksville, along with Morgan Spurlock, a highfalutin FBI agent brought in from Chicago. Morgan Spurlock, FBI, he was dressed in nice, had the suit, the tie, he had pink socks. I'm like, you ain't gonna make it. You're, you're not gonna make it. I said, quit in your hair and, and putting moose in it and all that stuff. I said, go relax, throw a hat on throw some ragged-ass clothes that you painted or worked on the house with on. Take your badge, hide it. Take your gun, hide it. I said, but be ready to rock and roll. Morgan Spurlock looked at me, he goes, he grew up in Chicago. He was like, this whole backwoods country life is definitely different. At one point, Barry and Spurlock stumbled on what seemed to be a connection between Skyler's disappearance and the Blacksville bank robberies. A picture of Skylar mugging with one of the young suspects. Just some local handsome hoodlum all the girls knew. There were a ton of rumors uh, that she was pregnant and she didn't want to tell her family, so she ran away with the baby's father. Uh, she had a boyfriend that they wouldn't like. She had OD'd at a party. She had helped rob the bank, so they killed her because she knew too much. You know, it, it was a full gamut of anything and everything was said. All of which kept driving Colbank back to the last two people she knew had seen Skylar alive. She pressed Sheila. Basically, you just ask, you know, what were you last doing? When did you last see her? Where did you go? Trying to get a timeline because she said she was with her, but way before she disappeared. And then uh, whenever I would get too close to something that she didn't quite have the right answer for yet, she would start crying. So that, that caught me because the waterworks would come when she wanted them to, not when they were appropriate. After reviewing Skylar's phone records, Colbank asked Sheila why she hadn't called her best friend when she'd gone missing. She never With, called her one time? Not after. I think there may have been one while she was with Dave and Mary. Say, hey, where are you? Uh, but then nothing. And she said, well, I've tried to reach out on social media, which she did right after I confronted her about it. She posted on social media that same day. On August 6, one month after Skylar had vanished, Sheila logged onto Facebook and posted a picture of herself hugging Skylar. She added a broken heart emoticon and wrote, 
I want my best friend back. And on August 10th, she wrote, All I want is for my best friend to come home. I wish I knew something to give the police, but I don't know anything. I'd do anything to have her home right now, and I wish I knew something like everybody thinks I do. Come home, Skylar. It's been five weeks too long. You have a vision for your business. Your priority might be to expand facilities or bring in the best talent. At Century Insurance, we listen, learn, and work to understand your business and your plans to help protect your new locations. As your business evolves and your vision comes true, Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages are underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details. It's now mid-August, 2012. The halls of University High School fill with the sounds of returning students eager to reconnect, carrying backpacks and fresh notebooks, searching the rows of red lockers to find their own. Most of the students had gone their own way over the summer, picking up a part-time job or going on a quick vacation at a nearby lake. But now that everyone is together, back at school, there's an underlying anxiety. Everyone is talking about Skylar Niece. On August 22nd, the Dominion Post ran the headline, Roll Call for Niece Goes Unanswered. The story reads, UHS Principal Sherry Burgess said that they'd hoped Skylar would have turned up by now. They had her schedule, filled with the tough classes she requested, ready to go. A couple teachers called her name while taking attendance on the first day, but Skylar wasn't there. Well, that and... Like, you know how something starts, one person knows something, and then they tell one person, and that person tells two people, and it just keeps going on and on? That's Daniel Hovader, back when I spoke with him in 2014. He was Skylar and Rachel's close friend. He and Rachel were fellow theater rats performing together in school plays and musicals. Daniel heard it all. Skylar, Rachel, and Sheila were doing drugs, and Skylar overdosed. And so they were really scared, so they ditched her body somewhere. Um, there was, she ran away with some person she met on the internet, which I, no, I definitely did not believe that. Skylar's too smart for that shit. The girl's former high school counselor, current county commission president Tom Bloom, was bombarded with speculation. The first rumor was they went to a party, she got wasted, and disappeared, or she left with some people. Then it started to say, what really happened at that party? You know, and did they do something or did she overdose? I was hoping that rumor was the one that was um, the thing where they went to a party and things got out of hand and something happened and they're too scared to talk. That was the initial thought for us of, okay, maybe this rumor is the one that's leaning towards the truth. Uh, just because of the, the circle of friends that they had at the time, there was a predominant drug use through some of them. So it's, it's possible. Anything's possible. Adding to the endless theories Colbank and company had to comb through were the countless amateur internet detectives on forums like Topics and WebSleuths.com. There was at Big Flaw. I hope the police interviewed local sex offenders. I only found two from Star City on the West Virginia Police website. And at Pisces underscore Sun. 
Recently, there was an unconfirmed but possible sighting of Skylar in Carolina Beach. And at Sparky. I tend to believe Skylar is alive and in hiding from her parents. On August 22nd, a week into junior year and nearly six weeks after Skylar vanished, Sheila took to Facebook. I seriously can't deal with school without you. I miss you too much. To which Dave replied, She will be home soon, honey. Love you. Love you too. At school, the police, the state troopers, and the FBI all took turns showing up to interview students, including Rachel and Sheila. Despite Colbank's suspicions, they never wavered from the story they spelled out in their statements. Uh, me and Chris just, we had many, many discussions about it, and we just kept saying, these girls know, we just have to keep after them. And that's the more pressure we put on them, the matter the parents and the community got for us picking on these girls, uh, like serving the search warrant while they were at school uh, for their phones. Even the principal or vice principal at the time said, you know, you guys are really going after these these girls, you know, they, they don't do anything wrong, you know, they're just... Pretty girls that wear short shorts every once in a while, and that's all they get in trouble for. Mary and Dave began to actually worry about Sheila and Rachel. With their best friend missing, weren't they suffering too? Add to that the pressures of school and rumors flying. It was all too much. Mary said, call off work tomorrow. We're going to talk to the police. I said, yeah, I want to talk to them too. I want to tell them, leave them girls alone. And she said, that's what I want to talk to them about. They're hounding those girls day and night. Just leave them alone. They don't know anything. I'm sure of it. I said, I'm sure of it too, honey. Yeah, Dave was very mad that how dare I pick on her friends. They're grieving and everything like that. And you just, I had that from the community, not just Dave. People called and said, you need to leave these girls alone. Colbank couldn't, especially since Sheila had begun turning up at the station. She would come in the office uh, a couple times and she would dress very provocative for her age. And I always thought that was unnecessary. You're coming to a police department to find out your best friend. You don't need a face full of makeup, short shorts, crop top. I don't know if she was hoping that would distract the investigation. Quite honestly, for some it might for guys, but <laughs> lucky for me, I'm not. <laughs> um, and it just, it was very awkward, but she was never, the entire time, it was just crocodile tears. They were so fake that you could see through it. And you just didn't understand why she felt the need to do it, other than she didn't want to get in trouble for something. But she came in all bouncy and bubbly and hair. I was like, I did. I looked at her and I said, you got fucking kidding me. It's right, no way. And he looked at me and he's like, he's right. And I'm like, this is strange. And that was, right there would have been our first red flag, but it was kind of one of those red flags we looked over. Right there was our first red flag. And I'll never forget, I was sitting back and went, God damn, she lost her best friend? Like that, and I'm, I'm kind of elbowing around I'm like, we got to back out and refigure this one. Like, there, there, there's something, I don't know, like I was getting that bad vibe already. Despite Sheila's best efforts to always keep her cool, police were about to make a major discovery. In the apartment complex surveillance video was a crucial clue. And I said, all right, I'm going to be over. I'm going to change clothes, grab something to eat, and I'll be over. And actually, I grabbed a six-pack of beer. And we went upstairs to the office, 
and they had a big projector screen where they could play the videos. And uh, it was nine o'clock at night, and I said, we're gonna start this video from beginning to end. It was four hours long. That is the video that we had. It's such a grainy video. And we just sat there and watched, and watched it all the way up till we see Skylar. And I talked to Jessica, I said, what'd you see? She said, Skylar getting out. I said, yeah. See anything else? She goes, no. I said, exactly. I said, she was dropped off. She was picked up and dropped off. Why don't we see her coming back to that damn window? I was driving down that night on the interstate, and I remember I was past right over the uh, 68, Interstate 68 bridge across the river. It just dawned on me. And I called Ronnie, I called Morgan, and I was like, I just watched the video. The only time she left is when she got in that car. No other time she left that house. I said, I was like, holy shit, it's Sheila's car. <laughs> Next time on three. She was awakened at five o'clock in the morning to screaming, a screaming fight between the three girls. I swear we probably almost died a hundred times that night. If you know something, you need to let them know because they're going to find out. They're the FBI. It's not a game anymore, Rachel. Three is an original production of Wavelamp. The series is created and written by Holly Malay and me, Justine Harmon. The executive producer is Jason Hoke, who produced and edited the series. Associate producers are Lydia Horn and Leo Culp. Fact-checking by Lydia Horn. Sound engineering by Shane Freeman. Music by Robert Ellis. Studio recording at CDM Studios in New York and Wildwood's Picture and Sound in Los Angeles. Special thanks to Dave and Mary Niece in the city of Morgantown, West Virginia. If you love the series, leave a review and please tell your friends. Follow Waveland on Instagram at Waveland Media for more on this series and upcoming new shows. Thanks for listening. You see where your business can go. To get there, you may need another 10 trucks. At Century Insurance, we put more than 115 years of industry experience to work to help protect you as you launch a new delivery service or expand into a new region and reach your business goals. Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages and underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details.